0: half the time they impregnate a young white girl before they leave
1: really really governor
2: well I don't know why I came here tonight I got the feeling
1: that something right I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs
2: clowns to the left of me
1: Oh man, the clowns are everywhere. Welcome to the broadcast from Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles as heard on 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on the Central Coast, 91.7 FM KYAQ, in Cozy Cottage Grove on 106.7 FM Queso. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU, The Voice of Maui. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, on NetRoots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, and of course, five days a week on Radio Sputnik. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. That that uh, man alive, that opening quote, that guy, that guy who you heard talk about uh, the uh, impregnating a white woman. That is Governor Paul LePage of Maine. We have talked about Governor Paul LePage on this program for a very long time. I've tried and tried to call him to your attention Uh, as I have described him as uh, the nation's dumbest governor and perhaps the, the dumbest governor in the nation's history. Get to that in a moment, but let's say hello to Desi Doyen, our uh, producer here. Hi, Desi Doyen. How hey. are you today? Are you going to help me? Because I'm going to need you. Speaking of white women, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that I, I may need your help here I'm, because uh, so much of what we uh, may cover today, it's, it's been uh, the past week, It's it's been a week of wing nuttery.
3: The week I, in wing nuttery, is that's what we right, should call the it. The
1: week in wing nuttery. And, uh, man, uh, Paul Page, now just to remind people, he is the governor of Maine and he was just reelected once again uh, last November. Was it last November? 2014, actually. I, I can't remember. It, it all blends together now. I, I think it was last November. Uh, and, and the reason he was elected, actually, is because uh, in, in both cases, both for his first term and his second term, there were three people running. First, I believe it was an independent, um, sort of moderate Republican that was running against them, uh, as a, as a third party, then a independent, moderate Democrat that was running against him. And so each time Paul LePage was able to... Uh, hoax and trick enough of uh, the good voters of Maine to vote for him that he was able to get in even without a majority of the vote. So in both cases a minority of the vote but that's enough to become governor when three people are running. How dumb is Paul Page? Well, Paul Page believes that a wind turbine <laughs> that was installed at a at a college in the state to save thousands of dollars in electricity costs, not to mention Emissions to uh, cut back on emissions. He believes that that wind turbine is actually fake. Remember this? Oh yeah. They covered it, I think, at the time on the Green News Report that it's secretly run by a tiny little motor inside the wind turbine to make it look like it's working.
3: This is the guy that's a governor.
1: That's Paul LePage. Uh, he tried to confine a nurse to her house after she arrived back from Africa where she had been treating Ebola victims. This was a year or so ago. I think almost exactly, just just over a year. She had been treating Ebola victims. She had no symptoms, no signs of having Ebola, but he parked a, a state trooper outside of her house, claimed at the time it was for her own safety. Remember that? Oh yeah. People were uh, were afraid, and I mean, he sounded like uh, somebody. I don't think we have the clip here, Andy, but sounded like he was, uh, you know, straight out of uh, Goodfellas or The Godfather. Yeah, it is just to keep her safe, if you know what I'm saying. So she had no victim, no uh, th- symptoms of Ebola, but there was she, no she reason. Was, the there was no to do- reason, yeah. And this woman, this uh, brave nurse, has stood up and said, "No, I'm not going to deal with that." Now that same woman had been quarantined. Literally quarantined by the New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, uh, before she went up uh, back to her home in Maine. When she got off the the plane in New Jersey, Chris Christie, the Republican governor of New Jersey,
3: and,
1: and by the way, not the dumbest governor in the nation, uh, perhaps the most corrupt, but not the dumbest. Anyway, he he quarantined her for a couple of days. And uh, the reason I mention him is because he will come into this story in a moment. Paula Page also, <laughs> last year, tried to veto about 60 bills uh, that were sent to him by the state legislature. He tried to veto them, not with an actual veto, <clears throat> but with with a pocket veto. Not signing the bills. He was under the impression... That if he didn't sign the bills, they would be vetoed. He was concerned that if he uh, actually vetoed the bills, it would go back to the legislature, and the legislature would be able to override his veto because uh, they hate him. The state legislature hates hates him. So, uh, but what happened when he didn't sign them? It means they actually became law without his signature. This guy is so stupid because he doesn't understand his own state's constitution. He allowed all of these bills, most of which he objected to, he allowed them to become law by not signing them. This is how dumb Governor Paul LePage is. I won't even tell you about some of the other stupid stuff that he has done and uh, some of the offensive, unbelievably offensive comments that he's made, like the one that refers to Vaseline. I won't mention.
3: Yeah, that was gross.
1: Because this is a family show. Is it a family show? Because this is a family show, I won't mention uh, the specifics about what he said. Uh, He also uh, thought that he would be able to arrest uh, certain members of the legislature uh, he hangs out with these, uh, frankly, these conspiracy theorists who are telling him all this stuff, these right wing extremists from the sovereign state movement, just like the guys who have taken over that uh, federal facility, the visitor, the federal visitor center center, center at the uh, wildlife refuge in Oregon. That's who this guy meets with. And he he meets with them. He talks with them, He believes everything he says because he is. The nation's dumbest governor, perhaps the nation's dumbest governor in history. But as it turns out, uh, even as he is facing potential impeachment for for, for threatening uh, the funding for a school system for the disadvantaged because he had because they had the temerity to hire the Democratic uh, Speaker of the the state legislature. Mind you, even the Republicans hate him. Did I mention that? Even the state Republicans think this guy is an absolute loon because he is. In any event, so he may, may even be impeached for that, but he is not only the dumbest governor in the country, he may be the most racist governor in the country, or at least he's the dumbest because he let everyone know how racist he is, when he responded to a question on Thursday about drug trafficking in the otherwise great state of Maine with this comment.
0: These are people that take drugs. These are guys of the name D-Money, Smoothie, Shifty. Uh, these type of guys, they come from Connecticut, New York. They come up here, they sell their heroin, then they go back home. Incidentally, half the time, they impregnate a young white girl before they leave. Which is a real sad thing, because then we have another issue that we got to deal with down the road.
3: So if he just stopped uh-huh. with the part about, oh, you know, they got the D money, everybody laughs, everybody thinks, oh, he's very funny, and let's move on. No, he has to go further.
1: Well, that was racist, too, the D money It was, and but it's still,
3: at least he could have stopped there. Well,
1: he could have stopped there, but he doubled down by talking about uh, they the, the, the impregnate the white women. Impregnate the white women i have just this guy is amazing. So in response to complaints about him, uh, he denied using names like D money and smoothie for their racial connotations. He was just naming them because that's their names, I guess. He wasn't trying to imply that they are any particular race, he said. Uh, and he actually he said, what? What are they black? This is what he said in response to critics. I, I don't know if they're white, black, Asian. I, I don't know. Paula Page dumbest governor in America, now the ra- most racist governor in America. He also rejected then the suggestion that race had anything to do with his reference to a young white girl. Uh, what race? What? Young. She, I, she was white. That's not, how is that racial? That's what he said. I mean, so on Thursday, after all of that, after he denied that it was a racial in any way, shape or form, a spokesman for uh, Paula Page, Peter Steele, Said the governor, he underscored with the governor, the governor wasn't discussing race. Quote, the governor is not making comments about race. Race is irrelevant. What is relevant is the cost to taxpayers for welfare and the emotional costs for these kids who are born as a result of involvement with drug traffickers. That's his actual quote. But other than that, not racist at all. They come up, they sell drugs, they impregnate a white woman and they leave. Not racist. Really? All right. Well, by Friday, the, the the hue and the cry got loud enough that uh, Paul LePage finally apologized. Well, sort of he apologized. He, he semi-apologized. He called it a slip-up, but he said that the, it was the press. It was really the press's fault that was uh, twisting his words. He said, I made one slip-up. I, I have made many slip-ups. And then here's how he went on with his apology.
0: I was going impromptu in my brain didn't catch up to my mouth I instead of saying Maine women I said white women if you go and, and I'm not going to apologize to the Maine women for that because if you go to Maine you will see that we're essentially 95 percent white
1: <laughs> so so there you go he's not he's going to refuse he refuses to apologize to the uh, uh, to the Maine women, the main women who weren't asking for an apology—it was, uh, you know, people of asking for an apology because it was so blatantly racist. Well, it wasn't racist because white women—that was clearly I was talking about Maine women, because the 95 percent of them are white, so it's the same thing.
3: So I just said white women, yeah, but I really meant it was, it was Maine, Maine. and it's not. There's, yeah. I didn't talk about race. Right.
1: <laughs> so later, he then uh, he was pushed even further, and then he said, "Well, if 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 I slipped up." and used the wrong word then i apologize to all the main women paul page dumbest governor in the history of this country uh he then went on to uh to say that the uh, media he t- uh, took an attack at the media of course for twisting his words he said you're in the back pocket of Maine bloggers yes that's right they are working for big blog <laughs> Well, the, the mighty power that us bloggers have uh, to, to uh, decide the course of history and to, to force governors to do whatever we want.
3: The mighty power that yeah. bloggers have to yeah. force him to stay racially charged comments right. on video. How dare they make him do that?
1: <laughs> and by the way, that blog uh, that he, he was referencing that first highlighted his offensive remarks, that blog is called Get Right Maine. It's a Republican blog. It is run by a guy named Lance Dutson, a Republican operative. Did I mention the Republicans don't like Paula Page? So that's what happened. Uh, uh, just I- incredible to me. Now, um, the reason one of the reasons I'm mentioning all this is, of course, because he's so obnoxious and it has been such an amazing week in wing nuttery, but also... Because uh, La Paula Page was the first, I believe, the first big name endorsement for New Jersey Governor Chris, Chris, Chris Christie for his presidential run. Chris Christie, uh, who is actually rising a bit in the polls, Chris Christie is now, I think, uh, in the top four, if I, if I'm not mistaken, in New Hampshire. So Chris Christie could actually become a player after all in the 2016 presidential election, particularly if Donald Trump ever finds a way to fall apart. I don't know how that will happen, but if he does or if the Republicans come together and realize, hey, we should not uh, we should not nominate someone who is uh, insane. I don't know. I don't know if he's insane, Donald Trump, but uh, someone who is not going to be very particularly helpful to the party, most likely. Governor Christie may be uh, one of the people that uh, the the party is looking at. So LePage came out. He was the very first to endorse Governor Chris Christie. And that was after the Ebola Ebola thing. That was after the, the motors in the windmill thing. That was after all of that, when we already knew how dumb Paul LePage was. But Governor Chris Christie was delighted That Paul LePage was endorsing him. Christie, uh, uh, he chaired the Republican Governors Association uh, as LePage uh, successfully, uh, that's right, won re-election in 2014. He has described Paul LePage as a great friend, called it an incredible honor, an incredible honor to to be endorsed by Paul LePage. In an interview with CBS the day after LePage's 2014 re-election victory, Christie described him, quote, as just one of the most decent, honorable people I have ever met. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He loves his state. And he has an amazing personal story. Oddly enough, Chris Christie's campaign has not yet responded to comments about Paul LePage's latest comments. About impregnating young white women, go figure. But he hasn't uh, rejected that endorsement. Man, that's where we are in this uh, in this 2016 presidential year and in this uh, wing week of wing nuttery. Speaking of wing nuttery, we've got more for you ahead, and we've got uh, Barack Obama on guns. Uh, he held a town hall last week on uh, last night on CNN on. Uh, Thursday night. We will talk about that and much more straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned.
3: got a gun. got a gun.
1: Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com with you here on uh, on Tuesday. Mike Gelati, a 33-year-old Iraq War veteran and a married father of two who lived in the upscale Lake Cyrus community in the town of Hoover, Alabama, a suburb of uh, Birmingham, left his house early, like he usually did, to hit the gym, heading to his management job with State Farm Insurance, according to the Washington Post. He never made it there. He was shot and killed in front of his house by an unknown assailant, someone who police believe had been breaking into cars in the area that night. Gelati was just one of dozens of people shot on Tuesday, the very same day that President Obama announced a package of modest executive actions meant to reduce gun violence. And this is the Washington Post's uh, wonk blog. Christopher Ingram calling them modest actions meant to reduce gun violence, and they absolutely are modest. They are about as modest as they could possibly be and still be actual actions. On Tuesday, in addition to Gelati, the uh, the dead included... 28-year-old woman in Ohio who was murdered by her sister's husband, who later took his own life. It included two teenagers who were killed in a drive-by shooting in Chicago at 3.30 p.m. Not long after Obama had concluded his remarks on gun violence at the White House, they included a California man who was shot and killed in his car in front of his two small children in broad daylight. Injuries included a man in Colorado who was hit by a bullet when his neighbor accidentally shot his gun through a wall while cleaning it in his apartment. They include a woman who was pushing a stroller down a busy Oakland street when a man began shooting indiscriminately. It includes an employee of an automotive shop who was shot in the back at work in Ohio during an armed robbery on Tuesday afternoon. That was just a regular old Tuesday. It happens to be a coincidence that that was also the day that Barack Obama was announcing some executive actions. Not even executive orders, mind you, but executive actions. Essentially, advisory opinions uh, about this or that or the other thing uh, that have to do with guns. Very, very limited actions. Clarifying who qualifies as a federal arms dealer. Providing more money for mental health. Which is something that Republicans have called for all you know every time a shooting happens. Oh, it's a, this is not a, a gun problem. This is a mental health problem. Okay, good. So he is saying we need to give half a billion dollars uh, more for uh, treating and dealing with mental health, uh, bringing on more officers from the FBI's, uh, from the uh, ATF, the what is it now called the Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives uh, Agency. As part of the FBI, again, something that Republicans have called for. Republicans have long said we have existing laws. We just need to enforce them. Well, one of the reasons uh, that they're not enforced as well as they could is because Congress keeps cutting the budget from the ATF because Congress hates the ATF. Well, at least Republicans hate the ATF. So they hate the ATF. They hate the people who would be responsible for taking action for gun safety and then they cut their budget. Well, Barack Obama, through his executive action, is calling for more money for the ATF so that they can hire more people, so that they can do more background checks, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. And, of course, as The Washington Post notes, as we noted uh, over the past week since Obama's actions, those actions have been met with a ferocious outcry from Republican lawmakers accusing the president of tyranny, overstepping his authority, trampling on the Second Amendment even though many of those announced changes were exactly what Republican lawmakers have been asking for and, that, and continue to ask for in their criticism of what Obama said. So they both critiqued it and they said, well, his actions are all wrong. His actions are tyrannical. What we really need is more money for mental health and uh, more enforcement of the laws that we have. God, these people are stupid. Uh, If the measures announced by the Obama administration reduce gun fatalities by even one-tenth of one percent, Christopher Ingram notes, that translates into roughly 34 lives a year, even one-tenth of one percent. That translates into 34 lives a year. Not headline news, uh, says Ingram. Perhaps, but ask the families of the uh, of 34 victims of gun violence what difference it would make to them if they uh, if they had their loved loved ones with them today. So the four things expand background checks on gun sales, clarify who is in the business of selling firearms. And mind you, he can't even close all of the uh, background checks on on uh, on gun sales. There's very limited things that he can do, but he can specify who is a business and who is not a business because, uh, according to the old law about who gets background checks, only if you're running a business, only if you're a a so-called licensed federal dealer, do you have to perform a background check. Private sellers don't have to run any background checks when they sell guns. The problem is these uh, so-called private sellers, they go to gun shows, they buy a whole bunch of guns, they become straw uh, sellers. Is that, is that the right word, straw sellers? Well,
3: they would be straw purchasers, but in this case, well, what you're talking about, they right. would be a straw seller. They okay, go and they right. purchase and yeah. they act as sort exactly. of a pass-through middleman guy. So
1: that was one of the things. The second thing was expanding research on smart gun technology so that uh, people have the choice if they want to buy a gun that uh, you know won't be fired, won't be able to be fired by anyone but the owner of the gun. The gun companies have stopped research into that because they were threatened by who? The NRA. The NRA require reporting of guns that are lost in transit between the manufacturer and the dealer. Oh, that would be a good idea. That was something else Obama is uh, is asking for is calling for facilitate the hiring of more FBI agents for the ATF to process background checks and improve the background check system. And as I said, 500 million to improve mental health treatment. Incredibly modest proposals incredibly modest actions, some of these actions, you know, of course, they're going to challenge him in courts. Some of them he may not even be able to make. They're going to go to court. The courts may decide, oh, he doesn't have the authority to do this. This has to be done by Congress. Well, we will find out. But they are incredibly modest and incredibly popular. A new poll out from CNN/ORC uh, finds that 67% of Americans say they favor the changes that Obama announced on Tuesday. Only 32% oppose them. 67 in favor, 32 oppose. Hugely, wildly popular. And according to CNN, uh, support for the executive actions designed to expand background checks to cover more gun purchases made online or at gun shows to make it easier for the FBI to complete background checks, etc. Cuts across party lines, but majorities across all parties. Democrats favor these uh, these actions, 85 percent. Independents favor them, 65 percent. And Republicans, even Republicans or majority of Republicans, favor the president's actions, 51 percent in this poll. And uh, that also includes gun owners. 57% of gun owners agree with the president's actions. 56% of rural residents, where we are told that it's totally different. If you live in a rural area, you don't want the president taking away your guns. Of course, the president's not taking away anybody's guns. Now, those who favor, who strongly favor the changes uh, described by uh, the president, outnumber those who are strongly opposed by about a two to one margin. 43% say they strongly favor. What Obama is calling for, just 21 are are strongly opposed. Support for the measure, says CNN, lags a bit behind in this new poll. It lags a bit behind the level of support most other polls have found for expanding background checks in general. Of course, because now that Barack Obama is calling for them... Uh, And it's a presidential election year. A few more people are against it. A Quinnipiac University poll in December found that 89 percent of Americans favored, quote, a law requiring background checks on people buying guns at gun shows or online. Eighty nine percent. The numbers were almost as high whether you broke it down between Democrats, Republicans or even members of the NRA. Now, the changes announced by the president do not even go that far. They do not even close the full loophole on gun shows or online. But uh, they are still uh, wildly popular, wildly popular. And so therefore, of course, Republicans uh, have to oppose it. Republicans have to be furious about it. Republicans have to call it tyranny. On Thursday night, CNN held a town hall event featuring the president taking questions from a really broad cross section of people, from uh, victims of gun violence to uh, there was a representative of the gun industry there, although not a representative from the NRA, not an official representative from the NRA. One of the women who spoke, I think, does work with the NRA. We'll talk about that in a moment, but they wouldn't even show up. They were too cowardly. The, the, the cowards, the con men, the supporters of terrorism, that are the NRA leadership. They were invited to sh- uh, to come to this event by CNN, but they were too cowardly, too dishonest, and frankly, too terrorist-supporting to even show up and to represent their indefensible positions. And I have described the NRA for years as terrorist-supporting because they have fought against uh, background checks even for people who appear on the terrorist watch list. They have lobbied. They have spent millions. Uh, to keep that loophole from being closed. And now, if, if uh, you don't think they're uh, terrorists supporting, uh, just four days before the fifth anniversary of the shooting of Arizona Congresswoman Gab- Gabby Gifford, remember that? We're at the f- fifth anniversary of that. Uh, the New York Daily News reports that just four days before that anniversary, the NRA targeted targeted a pair of Brooklyn lawmakers with a menacing image of bullets next to photos of the two gun control advocates. Did you see this photo, Desi?
3: Doyle? I did. It was really, the, really weird Well, it's to look at. It's it creepy. Like, what are They're, they trying to do here?
1: Their, their photos were mocked up like they were uh, uh, Polaroid photographs taped to the wall with bullets next to them, bullets pointing uh, towards these two women, New York uh, state lawmakers. Uh, who have uh, called for uh, a new law. They've gone through the democratic process calling for a new law that would restrict the amount of ammunition that you can buy. New York Daily News points out that uh, America's first freedom, which is an NRA publication, tweeted the image of these two women, State Senator Roxanne Purseau and Assemblywoman Joanne Simon, both Democrats. Just weeks after they announced legislation aimed at controlling the sale of ammunition, the two lawmakers and other local supporters, including Mayor de Blasio and Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, condemned what came across as a veiled threat. Oh, do you think? Now, remember, former Alaska Governor uh, Sarah Palin Took all kinds of heat back in 2011 after uh, Gabby Giffords in Tucson, Arizona, Congresswoman at the time. She had to step down because she was shot in the head. Almost killed. Um, Sarah Palin uh, drew complaints uh, because she had uh, put out an image of, of Gabby Giffords on a, in a Facebook uh, post uh, and other Democrats who voted for Obamacare, she put a picture of, uh, of her in rifle crosshairs. And then, of course, uh, shortly thereafter, Gabby Giffords was shot in the head by a mentally ill gunman that left six dead and, uh, and nearly killed the congresswoman. And now the NRA is out there doing it again putting their picture of bullets right by these congresswomen because they had the temerity to use the democratic process to propose a potential limit on ammunition. But I digress. Back to the town hall. Uh, It was actually a good conversation, I thought, uh, on CNN. It was a sober conversation. I, I suppose... Maybe it's a good thing that the NRA didn't come. Des, what did you think of the—I know you had some complaints early on about the questioning,
3: well, about it the did questions seem, that
1: were asked. It,
3: it did seem to me that CNN front-loaded the entire program with folks who were challenging, as they put it, yeah. challenging Obama on his modest actions that he had taken. Mm-hmm. And yet what I got from it, watching mm-hmm. these questions and watching the answers from the those who are antagonistic to any kind of uh, of gun safety measures— they didn't hear a word he said.
1: Well, and we have an example of that. Uh, now, for the record, uh, Des, I, I think adversarial questions are great. I think that, front-loading, I think That's It's just that they were, yeah. they were
3: all there at the front instead yeah. of it being more balanced in the order that they went in.
1: Yeah, whatever. Balance is BS. Uh, you know, if you're proposing something like that, if you have, actually, if you're doing anything, you have the President of the United States uh, and you're interviewing him and you ask him questions, what good is it to say, so... Uh, how much do we agree, Mr. President? I,
3: well, I don't you know, mean it like that. I mean more. Why okay. didn't you go farther? Yeah. Or as as one of you know, in the back end of the program, they had uh, folks who were asking for actually more action on gun safety measures. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's okay. it's Fair a may enough. of so there there was a way that they could have arranged it where it was more balanced at the front end, but
1: where they asked similarly tough questions. Uh, but why didn't you do more? For example. Right. And and you no, know, you're absolutely right. Now, I don't think that uh, there is a lot more, frankly, that the president can do by himself without the approval of Congress. And this Congress has proven that it is unwilling to even allow a vote on any of these issues. It's absolutely appalling. But talking about some of those questions... Uh, here was um, Kimberly Corbin is this woman's name. She's a, a a rape victim. Apparently she was raped 10 years ago. Horrible uh, situation. Brutal rape uh, 10 years ago. And now she has become a, an, an advocate for guns. As a matter of fact, she's actually working in some fashion or another. I'm not clear with the, with the NRA. And, uh, and here was the question that Kimberly Corbin uh, posed to the president at the CNN uh, town hall on Thursday night.
2: As a survivor of rape and now a mother to two small children, you know it seems like being able to purchase a firearm of my choosing and being able to carry that wherever my, me and my family are, it seems like my basic responsibility as a parent at this point. I have been unspeakably victimized once already and I refuse to let that happen again to myself or my kids. So why can't your administration see that these restrictions that you're putting to make it harder for me to own a gun or harder for me to take that where I need to be is actually just making my kids and I less safe?
1: Okay, that was Kimberly Corbin, uh, a rape victim who uh, I think, in theory, a uh, perfectly fair questions. Perfectly fair, except for the fact that, well, they don't really have anything to do with the things that uh, Barack Obama has actually announced. And this speaks, I think, to your criticism, Desi, that uh, they were asking things, they weren't listening to him, they clearly hadn't paid attention, hadn't followed exactly what it was that he was calling for. Right. And um, so Obama uh, thanked her for her courage and in speaking up about her situation and about this issue's. Uh, and then he responded to her, her central question about why are you making it harder for me to get a gun and making it more difficult for me to carry it in places that I want to carry it. And uh, the, here's what Obama said when he spoke to that, those issues specifically. I, I just want to repeat, there's nothing that we've proposed that would make it harder for you to purchase a firearm. Now you may be referring to issues like concealed carry, but those tend to be state by state decisions and we're not making
2: any proposals with respect to what states are doing they can make their own decisions there so there really is no uh nothing that we're proposing that prevents
1: you or makes it harder for you to purchase a firearm if you need one so that's it And uh, apparently she didn't hear it because she then went on, I think it was CNN later on, uh, expressing her outrage about uh, whatever. But the fact of the matter is nothing that Obama has proposed would stop her, as she suggested, from making it harder for her to buy a gun. Unless I don't know, unless she's a, a felon. I don't think she is.
3: Or she uh, wants to buy a fully automatic military-style weapon, but no, even that, even that won't prevent
1: Well, no, even that. His uh, his his uh, executive actions here have nothing to do with it. Have nothing to do with the type of weapons you can or can't buy.
3: And and people on Twitter were responding very much the same way, saying. I don't understand. There is nothing that would prevent you from getting a gun, Kimberly Corbin. Right. So what are
1: you talking if about? If she doesn't have a record, if she has not been uh you know th- thrown into a, a a mental hospital or something like that, if she's not a former felon, if she has not been in- involved in domestic violence and so forth, she can do the same thing she did originally. She says she carries a-, a handgun now with her everywhere she goes. Apparently, she you know went to a licensed gun dealer, she took a background check, she bought her gun. That was it. She was done.
3: And she can go do that again.
1: And she can go do that again. She can do that again and again and again and again. She could do thousands of them. But if she wants to go sell them now, well, she can actually still do that under these rules. But she can't do it if it turns out that she's doing it for a business, if she's actually you know, do, doing it for profit, at least according to the actions announced by Obama. So the, the notion that she would be stopped, it's just... I, I don't want to call it pathetic, but it is pathetic that the NRA is so disinforming and so misinforming people that that is what they think.
3: Now, Obama also mentioned that during the the town hall when he said... They have been mischaracterizing my position. Of course. I don't want to take your guns. I believe you have a Second Amendment right to bear arms. I think that there's some common sense restrictions that we can put on it so that people who shouldn't have guns, that we all agree, shouldn't have guns. But he's not putting any of those restrictions. That's that's the thing. He
1: can't. He's got to be—only Congress can do that. Only Congress can create laws.
3: And yet— when yeah. you looked at, say, the, uh, the the response of the CNN panel mm-hmm. after the show. Oh, and it was yeah, ridiculous. No. It was like, you know, 16,000 people trying to comment all at once. But one of the things I thought was most remarkable was just how little anyone heard what he said of the anti-gun regulation I, proponents I that found were on what,
1: that. I found what was remarkable that they would even have those kind of wingnuts on there at all. They had that guy, that Harry Hoke guy or whatever, He's a yes. total wingnut, former it, An, uh, New York... Uh, a police I think man his or New or York police Detective. officer might yeah. have.
3: Yeah. And what we one of the things that he said was, look, I'll agree with you on the background checks. I have no problem with the background checks.
1: So it's like, OK, so pass a bill, pass Great. a bill that says, uh, let's close the background check loophole. You also had, by the way, uh, uh, Hugh Hewitt who they pretend is a journalist. This is the guy who's been... Talk radio host. Talk radio host, right-wing talk radio host. He was a journalist, uh, at least as far as CNN was concerned. They allowed him to ask questions uh, for a couple of the Republican debates. Uh, In in fact, he's the guy who's been out there for years talking about the idea that there is massive Democratic voter fraud going on. Which, of course, there isn't. That's Hugh Hewitt. In any event, uh, these are incredibly small, incredibly small ball, low-hanging fruit, as I have said, for years. there are no real restrictions that he's being uh, that he's putting in place um, but he's taking action, Obama. he's doing something and as I've said on this show, good you disagree with him challenge him go to court. you think it's tyranny, you think it's unconstitutional good go to court we'll find out. But let's not pretend it is something that it is not on thursday uh or was it thursday i don't know when it was uh, i think it was wednesday i think it was the day after uh, uh the president ma- made his announcement uh stephen colbert uh on the late show talked about uh well exactly how how really small ball this is but uh that at least it is something here's stephen colbert
2: i have said repeatedly on this show that i have no idea what to do about gun violence other than someone should do something and i've got nothing against this as a start I think on the issue of guns, someone should show some emotion. Because every time there's a mass shooting, opponents of gun control say we shouldn't take action while we're emotional. We have to wait until we've had the proper time to grieve. Now, grieving means going through the five stages. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. We're really good at the denial part. (laughs) But then we skip straight to the acceptance. A week later, we're like, hey, have you seen the new Bachelor? So the president has gone through anger and way past bargaining because yesterday he decided to go it alone around the Congress and issue a My Way or the Highway, balls-to-the-wall executive order clarifying existing laws and noting that criminal penalties already exist for violating those laws. Kaboom! A fiery hailstorm of gentle reminders. It turns out in this case, the president is less of a tyrannical overlord and more of an assistant lifeguard in chief. (laughs) Come on, you guys, knock it off. The sign says no horseplay. (laughs) Because this executive order on gun control might be firing blanks. He cannot require background checks for every gun sale. They can't ban gun sales to people on no-fly lists. And you also can't ban large-capacity magazines. Here's what he can do. The ATF can implement stricter standards over which sellers are exempt from having to do background checks. So as soon as the president made his move, NRA lobbyist Jennifer Baker fired back with a blistering, this is it, really? They're not really doing anything. (laughs) But here's the thing, Jen, yes and no. The plan may not do anything, but at least the president is doing something, even if that something will do nothing. Because that's better than what we'll be doing up till now, which is nothing. Because doing nothing leads to something, and that's acceptance, acceptance that nothing will ever be done. But if enough people do something, even if it does nothing, maybe one day someone will do something that does anything. (laughs) And wouldn't that be something?
1: Wouldn't it indeed. Stephen Colbert uh, speaking about Obama's executive actions on The Late Show. Now remember, this entire debate, this entire debate is not even about guns. It's about requiring background checks for anybody who wants to buy a gun and helping to enforce the existing laws and taking the actions to, to, you know, to help those with mental disabilities, as Republicans have been calling for. But this is absolutely the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to ways to reduce the 30,000 deaths per year, 30,000 deaths of Americans per year. More than that, I think over the past year, it was almost 33,000 deaths by firearms in this country. And as a matter of fact, this isn't even about guns or background checks to me. This is about democracy. This is about uh, the ability for we, the people, and a government that is supposedly of the people, by the people, and for the people, to participate in determining our own fate. If the nation... If the nation liked the laws as they were, or frankly, even if they wanted more uh, guns, they wanted to make guns more accessible, that's one thing. But they don't. The vast majority, even of NRA members, want background checks for all. But Congress will not even allow a vote on it. That's what infuriates me. Congress is not even allowed to have a debate or, or a vote on it because they are so enthralled to the, uh, to the NRA that they can't even bring it up for a vote. It's not as if Congress is against this. They, we don't know. They haven't voted on it. And, and, and this is, by the way, with the NRA supporting background checks. They used to support background checks for all just a few years ago, I guess, until uh, Barack Obama became president. And, you know, if Democrats are in there, we're against it. So uh, votes uh, that have been taken that you might have heard over the past few years since Sandy Hook, where uh, such and such background closing the background check loophole uh, failed uh, to pass or uh, limits on assault weapons didn't pass. Those votes were taken in the U.S. Senate, not over those actual things, but the votes were over whether to debate and vote on those things to debate and vote on on the matter uh, of background check, uh, the loophole, at all. It, 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 it would likely receive a majority vote in the U.S. Senate if they were allowed to vote on it, but they weren't allowed to proceed. It didn't get the 60 votes needed to overcome the filibuster. The NRA has bought off enough politicians that they aren't even allowed to hold an up or down vote on the issue. And that's what ticks me off, frankly. If that's what the Congress wanted, if that's what the U.S. Senate wanted after a good, thorough debate, more guns. Make it easier for felons and terrorists and criminals to buy guns. If that's what they wanted, if they were willing to come out and and debate it and vote on that, I'd be fine with it. But Republican filibusters have repeatedly stopped our representatives from even debating or voting on the issue. These measures, many of them would have easily passed when they were initially proposed in the years following the massacre of 21st graders at Sandy Hook. But Republicans won't even allow it to come up for a vote. That is not democracy. That is not even representative democracy. That's the NRA. That's the arms industry. And they're terrified suckers and stoolies in the Republican Party. And it's disgraceful. <laughs> media. That's me. Hey,
2: can you hear the sound of a stereo?
1: Yes, yes I can.
2: Okay, well, I'll talk American. over that
1: part. Uh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com with you here. In our last few minutes, a couple of uh, quick points speaking of American idiots that I uh, want to try to uh, try to hit. A couple of follow-up stories. Uh, one is this, uh, this group of um, American idiots up in Oregon at the Malheur Wildlife Refuge they are still holed up up there uh, demanding for reasons that nobody really understands but demanding for some reason that all of the uh, federal lands at the uh, Malheur Wildlife Refuge which uh, in Oregon backs up to these these guys this rancher uh, family named the Hammonds they're now in jail they reported to jail last week for arson for setting wildfires uh, that uh, prosecutors say was meant to cover up a, uh, an illegal hunt, illegal poaching, they've turned themselves in. They've gone to jail. They've said, we don't want anybody's help. And yet these, uh, these Tea Partiers, these Patriot Movement people, I don't even know what we should call them anymore. One of them, two of them, actually the sons of Cliven Bundy, the rancher from Nevada, where there was that standoff with federal officials in 2014, where the uh, the, the the Patriot movements, the Tea Partiers, the Oath Keepers, we interviewed uh, the head of the Oath Keepers uh, last Tuesday, uh, where they had that standoff with Clive and Bundy, with the federal officials pointing assault weapons at them. Well, anyway, a couple of his sons are now holed up. You know the story up in Oregon. They've been there, I think, going on a week at this point. Desi-Dohan. Yes, at, Is it, least. Uh, at least a week. Um, so they want the federal government to give that land back to the people, the people of Harney County, Oregon.
3: Or else they'll shoot.
1: Or they'll shoot. Well, or they won't leave that uh, the visitor center at the wildlife refuge. All of this has led to the schools in Harney County being shut down for the entire week, the entire school district. You remember what a freakout it was when we uh, closed the school districts for one day out here in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. Uh, after a, uh, a hoax email uh, terrorist threat. Well, these guys have uh, succeeded in shutting down the school district for an entire week, and they continue to hold themselves up in there. They want to give the land back to the people, give it back to the county, give it back to the private ranchers, like the ones who set that wildfire. Well, the members of the Burns Paiute tribe had a message for these people, for the militiamen uh, who commandeered the uh, the facility. Uh, the Paiute tribe says that these people need to get the hell out of here, that this is not their land, that the land was actually taken from them by the federal government. Uh, here is uh, Jarvis Kennedy, a member of the uh, Paiute uh, Burns Paiute Tribes Council, speaking about uh, these militiamen holed up at the uh, Malheur Wildlife Refuge. just need
0: to get the hell out of here. Sorry,
1: but because we
0: didn't ask them here. We don't want them here. We as Haunted County residents don't need some clown to come in here and stand up for us. What if it was a bunch of natives that went out there and overtook that or any federal land? What would the outcome be? You think about that. What, what would happen? Mm-hmm. Would they let us come into town and get supplies and re-up? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly, by the way, what they're letting them do. They're letting these people go in and out. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why they are not arresting them. As soon as they walk out, Uh, the Paiute tribe, of course, uh, that was Jarvis Kennedy, the member of the tribe's council, talking about these militiamen. The Paiute tribe once lived on that land. That is the Malheur Wildlife Refuge. They were ordered to leave in the 1870s, just before the, uh, the area experienced a boom of settlers. Uh, the uh, the Paiute tribe still views that land as their own and they say that they have a good relationship with the the personnel at the at the refuge Uh, who they view as protectors of key archaeological sites for this tribe.
3: You know, and also uh, Ryan Bundy, one of the Bundy brothers that's Mm -hmm. up there, and Ammon Bundy, they both said, we will leave if the community wants to. They were quoted by Oregon Public Broadcasting saying, this is their county, we can't be here and force this on them. If the county people tell us to leave, we'll leave. And there was a town hall meeting this week Mm -hmm. where the sheriff, you know, a very nice man it seems, actually held a vote, a a hands-up vote in the entire county, and they all voted for them to leave.
1: And remember, these are these uh, guys who are part of the sovereign uh, citizen movement who believes that the county sheriff is the ultimate authority in matters like this. And uh, here the county sheriff in Harney County, Oregon, is saying, get out.
3: Please leave peaceably. I'll give you safe passage out of our county. Please go out of our state. And they're still there. Yeah,
1: because they're not even people from the state. They're all from out of state. It's just amazing. Okay, so that standoff, that idiocy continues. Speaking of American idiots, as we seem to be today, uh, the Alabama chief justice. Remember this guy, uh, Judge uh, Roy S. Moore, Chief Justice of the uh, Alabama's Supreme Court, has ordered the state's probate judges to not issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Yes, we are still talking about this story. This is I thought this was a done issue. Uh, I thought that uh, that woman from Kentucky was uh, the only person in America who hadn't given up the ghost on this. But apparently Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court has now told state probate judges that they are not to uh, issue marriage licenses to same sex couples, even though the U.S. Supreme Court last summer legalized same sex marriage across the United States in every state. He issued an administrative order on Wednesday, noting that the Supreme Court of Alabama in March of 2015 upheld the state's ban on same-sex marriage. Three months later, however, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that bans on same-sex marriage were unconstitutional in Obergefell versus Hodges. Incredibly, Moore goes on to say in his order that confusion and uncertainty exists amongst the probate judges of the state as to the effect of Obergefell on the existing orders. That is the March 2015 instructions that bans on same sex marriage should be enforced. This is according to Moore's order. So he's saying there is confusion, therefore stop issuing marriage licenses.
3: Which is confusing.
1: Which is insane, aside from being uh, confusing. Yes, because we all know what the, the Supreme Court, it's the law of the land now. Apparently word didn't get to uh, to Judge Roy Moore. Uh, he argued that the... He argued that the legal analysis has yet to be determined and that the confusion over the law has an adverse effect on the administration of justice in Alabama. What justice in Alabama? Tell it to Governor uh, Don Siegelman, former governor of Alabama, Don Siegelman, who is still serving time in jail for something that 131 former state's attorneys general, both Republicans and Democrats, says was not a crime anyway. Not a lot of justice in Alabama. Based on Moore's reasoning, he ordered probate judges uh, have a ministerial duty to not issue marriage licenses. Well, that'll clear up the confusion, at least until the uh, Alabama Supreme Court has ruled on the impact of the U.S. Supreme Court's decision. Now, in January 2015, in Alabama, U.S. District Court Judge Ginny Grenade ruled that the state's marriage ban was unconstitutional. And the next month... Moore instructed probate judges that they were not bound by that decision by the U.S. District Court judge. So then those judges had two contradictory orders. That confusion was caused by Moore himself. So Grenade then reaffirmed her rulings in May of last year and then once again after the Supreme Court's decision. So there is no confusion. The only confusion is that Judge Roy Moore, uh, uh, I guess, hates gay people or something and and doesn't want them to get married. The uh, Southern Poverty Law Center uh, said in a statement that if probate judges violate the injunction that they can be held in contempt, and this is uh, Roy Moore, again, they say, yet again, confusing his role as Chief Justice with his personal anti-LGBT agenda. Remember uh, this guy, by the way, Uh, Twenty years ago, he's the one who put the Ten Commandments, the plaque, into a courtroom. And then as uh, when he became the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, he put a monument to the commandments in the state judicial building, a really heavy, huge monument that couldn't be moved easily. He was then removed from office in uh, 2003 after because he defied a federal court order to take that monument down But, of course, the people of Alabama, God love them, reelected him as the Alabama chief justice in 2012.
3: Elections have consequences.
1: They do, indeed. All right, finally, uh, do we have a minute for this? Uh, The uh, Illinois Evangelical College that had suspended a tenured professor because she launched a Muslim solidarity campaign just uh, during the holidays. She said she was going to wear a hijab throughout Christmas. Uh, In solidarity with uh, Muslims, given all of the anti-Muslim fervor in this country, Um, her name is uh, Larissa Hawkins, and uh, she posted on her Facebook page that uh, we all worship the same God, Muslims, Christians alike, which is true. However, uh, the Wheaton uh, administrators got wind of this. It's an evangelical college. They said that there were uh, theological implications to her statements, to her statement of solidarity with Muslims. Wearing a headscarf in solidarity with them. She's a tenured professor. It got her suspended. Well, now the, uh, the administrators at Wheaton College are moving to remove her entirely to terminate her uh, because, of, uh, because of this outrageous act. Uh, it's just amazing to me. So uh, I, I hope uh, someone sues the hell out of that school, and I hope that uh, the students of Wheaton College realize what the hell is going on at this horrible, horrible uh, school, and frankly, leave at least if it's run by people like that. Just unbelievable. All right, Uh, i got to get out my thanks as ever to our producer Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess Cynthia Cohn, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. We will be back with you soon. Until then, you can drop me an email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can follow me uh, and find me and say uh, all kinds of nasty things to me if you like on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. That's it. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
3: Everybody.